Welcome to the Beyond HAE podcast. You're listening to the stories of people affected by hereditary angioedema, an ultra-rare genetic condition. On this podcast series, you will hear from people with HAE, their family members, and their friends who gather around, open up, and share their stories. We would like to thank Takeda and BioChrist for sponsoring this episode. We want to give a huge thank you to the U.S. Hereditary Angioedema Association for supporting this youth-produced podcast. We hope today's story impacts you. Let's meet our host for today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Beyond HAE Digging Deeper interview series. My name is Kobe, and I am so excited to be speaking with Marielle today. Hi, Marielle. Hi, Kobe. This is Marielle. Um, I'm a triplet, and I'm very excited to be here uh, with you guys. You're a triplet? That's so exciting. Yes, well, how is, how is that experience? Well, actually, I, I do have a question for you right off the bat. <laughs> so when were you diagnosed with HAE? I was diagnosed with HAE um, two years ago, um, 2020. So pretty recent. Yeah, that's um, actually a super recent. Um, I was also diagnosed with HAE. <laughs> both my brother and my mother have HAE, and they were both diagnosed when they were children. Um, but I was also diagnosed later in life. I was 14. Um, how old were you when you were diagnosed? Uh, I was 25, 25 when I was diagnosed. So how did you come about uh, getting tested for HAE, come, come about pursuing um, maybe a diagnosis? Were you having attacks? So I was living actually in Mexico before. I was, I'm quite a, a mix. So I was um, born in the US, but I was raised in Mexico. Um, my dad is from Belgium and my mom is from Mexico. So I'm quite, kind of like a mix up there. Um, when I was little, I would always have. Um, like stomach aches and they wouldn't know what was going on. Um, later on, like in my teenage years, um, I started swelling from my hands and everyone thought that, you know, I even thought that it was an allergy and, you know, something that I was touching that created like this massive swelling or a mosquito bite. One time I thought that it was like a mosquito bite um, that gave me allergies. Then when I came to live in the U.S., <clears throat> started to happen more often. One time I came back from a work trip and I got pretty sick. I think I caught the flu. So that sent me to the hospital four times in one week. Goodness. Like one time after another one. <clears throat> the worst one was when I woke up and I couldn't breathe. So I was like, I told my roommate, like, I can't breathe. Can you take me to the hospital? And I went there. They gave me, like, something. They thought it was a strep throat. Um, so they gave me something to numb my throat, and they sent me home. So I was, I was kind of, like, dying. And then next day, you know, my hand started swelling. It went all the way through my arm. <clears throat> You know, they didn't know. They just told me, like, oh, it's an allergy. So they gave me allergy medicine, sent me home. Then next day, you know, I started, like, um, vomiting and all the 
That's at some point, you still didn't know that this was HAE? This was before your diagnosis? Yeah, that was before my diagnosis. So, so I went four times in a row in one week. Um, and then they finally said, like, we don't know what's happening with you. Um, we're going to refer you to an allergy um, doctor because, you know, your swelling is bad. So it's an allergy. Um, so I did, uh, next week I went and, you know, I was telling him like, oh, well, I think it's an allergy, you know, like something that I'm touching. Like, I don't think it's anything serious. Can you do like an allergy test? And then I show him pictures and symptoms and whatever the red rash. And he was like, I don't think this is an allergy. You know, um, he told me, I think this is HAE. And I was so blessed that he is one of the doctors that knows HAE. I was like, oh my God, this is like God sent. Um, so he, I, the only thing I remember that day is he told me that EpiPens couldn't save me. So I was like freaking out. That's the only thing I remember because I was so nervous. I didn't know, you know, he was explaining all this big words and terms and I'm like um I don't know what you're saying so that's the only thing that stick to my mind um but then he decided to run some tests um and he told me I know you're gonna look into Google because I can tell your personality so if you look into Google go here's this link you know and he gave me the link and so I started when I came home I started reading about it and I was like oh this is me, you know. Um, and he called me the next week because he had the results back. And right. yep, looks like my numbers were very like off. And then he gave me the diagnosis, you know. And yep, so after years of experiencing all these mystery symptoms and swells and all these situations that um i you were there was lots of different ideas of what it could be but no sure thing how did it feel to have like a diagnosis and a word to put on this ailment that you'd been experiencing for all those years it was weird because i call it weird because i'm okay during a long period of time and then you know i had a swell or a stomach ache so it's just like I thought it was normal you know but putting a name to it I was like oh my gosh like <laughs> did it did know? it make it like more scary because it was an actual it was like a, a real condition with a name and a definition rather than just something you would experience once in a while it did it for me it was more scary and then when you start reading about it and all the treatment process it was like oh like i could die from this you know so for me it was very shocking to put a name to it because like i told you it, it was a um, long period of time i was okay and that here and there you know so it was for me it was scary so i Gosh, I can only imagine, especially that one horrible attack you were referencing. Uh, mm -hmm. So to, to go from experiencing or experiencing an attack like that or even the chance of an attack like that happening, being a possibility to being diagnosed and I assume getting some sort of treatment plan. Yes, I'm under treatment twice and, a week. And, and so after 
having that treatment plan for the period of time that you've had it a couple of years now, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How has life changed for you um, since there's uh, something to fall back on, something to treat your disorder and, and desist in that? For me, it was it was a hard process. It took me like one year to kind of like settle down with the treatment, the disease, you know, to even talk about it. I, I know that after that throat attack, you know, it was even hard for me to fall asleep because I was like, I don't want to sleep because I'm going to die or something, you know. Um, so it took me one year to be friends with ATE, um, especially because it's mentally it's hard because, um, you know, life changes so drastically. Now you're putting a medicine twice a week for the rest of your life. Um, it's a rare disease. Um, I think it's even more rare in my case because there's no history about it in my family. I'm a triplet. Nobody has it. I'm Nobody a- but you? You're the only HA. Now, what type do you have? I have type 1. Wow. And it's just yeah. so interesting. And so yeah. I imagine that, you know, dealing with a diagnosis and being on a treatment plan after not having a word to describe this ailment you were experiencing for so many years was really confusing, but I imagine it was also even more disorienting to have to try to then explain this disease to the people around you, the people that care about you. And so in the year before you were connected with other HAE patients who you could converse with and have dialogue with and like see eye to eye because you have some sort of common ground, For the year before you experienced that, how did you talk to the people in your life that had no idea what HAE was? It was, um, well, first I had to learn all the big words out there for the disease, you know, just even the name is just like, what (laughs) What are you talking about? Even for doctors, like, you know, I have this, like my family doctor, you know, I have this. And he was like, what, (laughs) what is that? So I had even to explain to them. Um, And even for family, they're just like, uh, first for them, it was hard to, to understand to like, um, is this like a forever disease or, you know, I'm like, yeah, surprise. (laughs) Um, But for them, they've never heard about it. I had to go like step by step. But it took me a while to tell them too, you know, because I was in the process of me being friends with it. I didn't took forever, right? But just a few weeks because I was like in shock. Um, It's never, when you read about it, it's just like, oh, this is me. But when the doctor tells you like, oh, you have it and there's no cure and there's this big medicine thing that you have to do. Um, that's when it hits you. And But I think, you know, the mo- most um, weird part is just, you know, that for me now, life is different. And for them, too, it's going to be different because of me, right? Um, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> 
Well, when you connected with the HAEA community and you were able to like bounce your experience off of somebody who understood, yeah. did that assist in any of these feelings of unsureness? Did, did the community help? It did. I've never met someone with HAE in person. Um, so uh, what I... Are, are you connected online a lot or is it, are, um, you, are you involved occasionally? Um, I'm involved occasionally. Um, usually, I think I met a few of them through Facebook, um, but I've never met someone in person. But it does help, you know, at least like I know if I have a question, I can go to someone, you know, right. and especially um, first diagnose, like I had so many questions that probably doctors can relate to because they're not patients, they're doctors. Um, so it kind of like helped me settle down my emotions and or what, what if, you know, like what if I have a sore throat, like should I go to a hospital, should I wait, you know? Kind of like people that have more experience that that I do, um, so that that helps, you know, having a community. Um, at first, I joined a HAE group, and I was out like in five days because there's people, you know, that swell every day. I'm very blessed. I don't, I don't. So I joined back later, but first time. <laughs> First timer seeing all that thing, I was like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> I can totally imagine. I have a, a similar experience where my swells aren't that often, but my HAE came from my mom and her HAE is much more severe than mine is. And so I saw some pretty crazy attacks in person. Um, and again, for years thought I didn't have HAE. And so then when I was a teenager and got diagnosed and I was looking back to everything that I'd seen my mom go through, I was like, that is crazy that it's mm -hmm. now, but again, everybody's experience is so different and that's something you definitely come to realize. And so with your involvement in the HAEA, um, not being, has it, is, is it very recent? Has it been since the pandemic? Um, is it just, I know the HAEA has been a resource, but has the HAEA also been a sense of community outside of the the scary Facebook page? That they have been of great support. Like um, I remember when I got diagnosed, I was like, "Yeah, this is me." But in the bottom of your heart, you always think that maybe they misdiagnose you. So I wanted to have like a second opinion about it. And I went to the HAE Association um, and told them that if I could come to San Diego to, you know, if they could see my case and they were a great support. I was in San Diego like in the next month or so. Um, and yeah, the, anything that I need, they or I want to do, they're always there um, to support or see how they can get involved too. Um, I remember that I visit um, a plasma center um, for the first time, um, and I told the gals there, like, hey, like, well, I have this rare disease, you know, like, I would like to speak with some of the your patients, or I don't know how to call them, but your visitors or donors, donors. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, cause they always 
donate plasma, but they don't see the other side of the who receives the plasma, you know, who gets blessed with what they're doing. And they were so happy about it. And I told um, the HAE Association if they could give me some like brochures or something to give out to educate people. And they were helpful with that. And yeah, they're always there. Well, that's I was hoping that it had been an awesome resource for you because they've been an awesome resource for me. And I think it's super important that us as people with a rare disease have uh, a foundation that supports us that is so involved and detailed and all of the information that they curate and give out to folks. It's, it's so helpful. The information is so helpful. And I always encourage reaching out to the HAEA. So overall, in your life, your entire experience with HAE in the beginning when you didn't even know what it was and the many years that you experienced it without treatment, and then experiencing diagnosis and a treatment plan and getting used to all of that and implementing it into your daily routine and life. What, if any, are the changes that you've noticed in your day-to-day -day life since having treatment for your HAE? Or is there anything that's easier? Is, is, is there something you don't have to worry about? Also, is it cumbersome because you have to tote medicine with you? The good and the bad, what have you noticed since you've been diagnosed and got a treatment plan? Well, it is different. Um, it is different because um, you have to stop where you're doing, you know, to get treatment twice a week. Um, and sometimes I have to be honest, I wish like I didn't have to, but <laughs> I too. have to, right? It's just yeah. like, and I think the hardest part it's here, you know, uh, mentally you have to be really strong just because I think it, it, it is where it gets you, right? Like you try not to feel rare or different so you have to cope with that and be strong mentally to do your treatments to just do i always tell my friends like that they have other diseases that it's not mine right it's just like sickness or whatever that my disease disease is already so strong um that i don't want to give it more like importance to it um it already has so much power that I don't want to focus all my life into it. Um, because if I did, you know, I will always be living with what if I swell, what if I do this and it doesn't work, you know? And so I just try to live my life as normal as possible. I know that even when, if, when I travel, I have to bring all my medicines and all supplies and i think they're gonna be stopped at the airport um but just that emotionally and mentally be strong enough to to live your life as normal as possible and um just you know even if i have to stop twice a week and do my medicine and I have to be honest, sometimes I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to do it. And I just give myself a break. I shouldn't be saying this, but it, I have good days and bad days and, and it's okay, right? Just to stop, give yourself a break and 
you know, get energy from whatever you need or want, you know, and because mentally it, it's hard. It's just maybe, you know, doing the pinch and the medicine, it's not as bad, but. Yeah, I totally agree though, because I, I'm, I'll be honest too, it's our experience. As a person who also doesn't suffer from very frequent attacks, I have, you know, missed my medicine before and not shed a tear about it. <laughs> Obviously, all of our experiences are different though. Mm -hmm. And so some of us can afford to do that, some of us can't. It's something that you should take up between you and your doctor and not <laughs> us. These are just our experiences. Yeah. But it's funny, actually, your answer to my last question really segues into the final question that I have for you. Very beautifully, you were talking about how it was kind of a mental thing. And there's, there's, uh, you didn't use this word, but I tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth. There's a block that you kind of have to overcome, a mental block before you can kind of recognize that you have to live despite this blood disease rather than in spite of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is, do yeah. you feel, in your opinion, that's how we, we move beyond HAE as HAE patients? Is, is overcoming that mental block? I do think that it's, what you have to do, right? Because I suffered at first, you know, just when I first got diagnosed, I wouldn't even do anything like, not even, I love sports. I wouldn't even go out or do a kayak or whatever. I was just like, what if, what if I swell? What if I do this? And it was so heartbreaking and mentally it was so devastating because I was focusing all my energy and my disease and, I just couldn't move forward, right? For one year, I was like that until I mentally jumped that block and said, you know, this is something that it's not going anywhere. Um, I'm different. Um, but the what if, it can always turn into positive, right? You know, like, yeah, what if I swell? But what if I don't swell? Like, what if I have a great time? What if I um go and see my friend and nothing happens and that has happened to me before right like like let's say I want to do a trip and I'm like well what if I swell and what if I I'm in the plane and a 10-hour trip and you know I, you know the, all this drastic things that could happen right but it uh, it always ends up turning great and just turning the what if into a positive way um that helps a lot. And like I told you, um, that disease already has so much power in our life that one day we can, one second we can be okay and the other one we could be dying that um, I don't wanna focus my life into giving it so much power, so much attention to it. I just rather uh, bring this power for me to do something that I wanna do and um, just keep moving forward and if it if i end up swelling okay well that's fine i have a treatment i have medicine and i just rather look at the bright side of um the disease and just being rare because nobody is like us so that, I is, that. that is a fantastic perspective it's very true nobody is like us nobody is like us and we're all different even in our own experiences mm -hmm. We're all unique. Um, and I agree with you. I think we really need to surrender to our circumstances. If you're an HAE patient, that's what it is. 
you know, and whether it, it takes uh, everybody's in their own time, of course, but we all are going to come to terms with that eventually, hopefully. Um, but it worrying is an option, but is it the wisest option? Not in my opinion, just because worrying could make it worse. And so <laughs> live your moments, enjoy your moments. Life is short. And I totally agree with that point. And I thank you so much for speaking with us today. No, Mary. Thank, you guys um, for inviting me. thank you. No, seriously, seriously. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation on behalf of the HAE youth for the Digging Deeper podcast interview series. So I am so happy that all of you at home and everyone listening joined us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you join us again next time for another episode. Thank you. Thank you. The information presented, including opinions and recommendations, is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. No one should act upon any information presented without first seeking medical advice from a qualified licensed medical doctor. For assistance finding a physician, please contact an HAE advocate at 866-798-5598. The HAEA is an advocacy and research organization committed to actively engaging our community in a wide variety of grassroots activities that promote disease education and awareness. We provide personalized services to address the unique needs of people with HAE and their families, which include helping them secure access to and reimbursement for modern HAE medicines. Our great success in supporting clinical research has resulted in a variety of FDA-approved therapeutic options. We work closely with expert physicians to continuously upgrade quality of life through improving diagnosis and knowledge of the disease and encouraging a tailored patient-focused use of available therapeutic options. The HAEA is product and company neutral and continues to enthusiastically support drug discovery research aimed at the next generation of HAE therapies. Thank you.